0: Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 336th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. The Urban Farm Podcast is sponsored by HealthIQ.com. As I get older, I am finding that leaving a legacy is becoming more important. And a big part of that is making sure my loved ones are financially sound when I depart. One way to do that is through life insurance. Health IQ is a life insurance agency that helps runners, cyclists, yogis, vegetarians, urban farmers, and other health-conscious people get lower rates on their life insurance. Visit healthiq.com forward slash urban farm to support our show and see if you qualify. Today on our podcast, we have someone who cares about her community successfully planting fruit trees as much as I do. We're talking with returning guest Susan Poisner about fruit tree care training. Susan is an urban orchardist in Toronto, Canada, and the author of the award-winning fruit tree care book, Growing Urban Orchards, as well as the creator of an award-winning online fruit tree care training course. In her in-person and online workshops, Susan has trained hundreds of students from across North America her students include master gardeners arborists and people who are completely new to gardening and fruit tree care if that is not enough susan is the host and creator of the urban forestry radio show and podcast on realityradio101.com and an instructor of fruit production program at niagara college in ontario we got to meet Susan in episode 166 back in December of 2016. Welcome back to the show today. Are you ready to talk fruit trees? Absolutely. Sweet. So, can you bring us up to speed on what's been happening since with you since then?
1: Oh my goodness. What can I say? So much has happened, Greg, like it's been interesting, crazy, all sorts of stuff, but let's go back in time just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I had mentioned in our the last podcast with you that I started as a person who knew about gardening but didn't know much about fruit trees. I was a gardener for the city of Toronto, and I had an inspiration uh, of planting a community orchard in my local park. I thought, what a great idea. I thought, fruit trees are so easy to grow.
2: <laughs> I'm serious.
1: I did, I did think that that, believe it or not, right? I thought they're so easy to grow, and all we'll do is we'll plant some trees, and then you know have fun there, and then come back and harvest, and it was all going to be good. Anyways, as you can tell, I learned the hard way that fruit trees are awesome and amazing, and I love them, but they need hands-on care, yes. and it's specialist care, and mm-hmm. I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. And so my background is journalism and filmmaking. So I thought, okay, I can do this. I can research and figure out how to care for these trees. And it was very important that I did a good job because there were some in the community that didn't want our fruit trees. And, and so it had to be meticulous.
0: So go back to episode 166 and listen to, for the full story. But give us, you know, like a minute or two on your own. Awesome urban orchard in the park across the street from your house.
1: Years ago, I didn't have that much experience with garden. Well, I had lots of experience with gardening and mm-hmm. not much experience with fruit trees. And so I decided, what a great idea it would be to plant fruit trees in our local park and to establish a fabulous community orchard. Uh-huh. So at the time, I thought that was all going to be easy. Like I thought, well, fruit trees kind of take care of themselves, don't they? I mean, you know, you just plant them and you just leave them there and then you get beautiful fruit. <laughs> I really did think that and that was a little naive. So, just a few words about the orchard itself, however. We did plant the trees, we planted and I know in our previous the previous episode in which you spoke to me, I told you a little bit more of this story so people can go back and listen. Mm-hmm. But we got permission to plant 14 fruit trees in our park. And we, we planted apples and pears and apricots and cherries. And it's beautiful. It's a, a wonderful place where people can meet each other and volunteer and work together and take care of these trees. But here's the problem is we really didn't know how to take care of the trees. Yeah. And we knew that we had to do it very well because there were people in the community who had opposed our initiative. And they were keeping an eye on us. And if this was a mess, I was going to get in big trouble. Mm. Anyways, so I had to research, and I'm a journalist by background, so I had to research these things, figure out what to do. I go to the library, Greg, and I get out the fruit tree books. And they're all written in Florida and in California, and our climate is very, very different.
0: Yeah, a buddy of mine lives in Guelph and it was 15 below there the other day.
1: Exactly. And they just hopefully don't get that in California and Florida where they write these books. So we, there's, but I didn't, I didn't even put two and two together to say, hey, this isn't a hundred percent relevant for me. And even when it came to fruit tree care tasks, I didn't quite get what they were telling me to do. Somehow I was just getting more and more confused. Mm -hmm. So here's what's beautiful. Well, at first I couldn't find anybody to teach me what I needed to learn and and our volunteers for the community orchard. It's called the Ben Nobleman Park Community Orchard. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to find an expert in our Niagara region in Ontario. Have you been there, Greg? I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't. You haven't. So it's very beautiful and it's a wonderful area with lots of orchards and fruit trees and incredibly beautiful area to visit. And it's like a two hour plus drive away. But I found one orchardist who was an expert professional orchardist who was willing to come and teach us. And we had to fundraise to get money to bring him in to teach us how to prune our fruit trees, how to take care of the soil, fertility management, and, of course, the big one, protecting the trees from pests and disease. Oh, yes. Which ended up being one of our main challenges. So I brought this expert in and then another expert, all from the Niagara region, a number of times, year after year, until I could finally get my head around, why is this so complicated? Why don't I understand this? <laughs> finally, I got it. I think it was three years of workshops later. You know, uh-huh. every season we had these people come in. And I finally got is it oh, that's what you do when it comes to pruning. Oh, that's what you do. And so I wrote my book, Growing Urban Orchards, And it was the story of establishing that beautiful community orchard here in Toronto. But as I'm telling the story, I teach the lessons that I finally learned from these experts as to how to take care of your fruit trees. So the reason I'm telling you this when you ask me, you know, how are things, what's going on now,
2: Uh
1: is the irony of it is I wrote this beautiful book and so happy with it, and it's it's gone out into the world. It because of that book, I've been invited to teach in various places in the state. You know, in various places, webinars, all sorts of wonderful things. This past year, I got a call from Niagara College in Niagara, the Niagara region, this fruit growing region, uh-huh. and they said, "Susan, we want to know would you consider coming out here to teach our fruit production course?"
2: Wow.
1: <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my goodness, this has taken me a long, long way that I'm going to Niagara to teach. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that's a really happy sort of continuation. I started the course. I started to teach. My students are wonderful.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm learning while I teach them. And we're we're going to be uh, installing a really, really lovely orchard in the Niagara College campus, a gorgeous campus. Oh, nice. So that's one of the new things that's developed since we last spoke.
0: Right. Wow. How cool is that? So you mentioned your book. Let's talk about your book a little bit. Tell us about it.
1: Okay. Here's what I wanted to know. I wanted to know when writing, well, when learning about fruit trees, and I communicated this in the book, is what is the minimum that I need to do in order to keep my fruit trees healthy and productive? Because frankly, Greg, Mm -hmm. one after another, the trees got sick. (laughs) Right. Out of the initial 14 trees, we probably had to pull out half of them and replace them.
0: Wow. Now, was that something you could have done differently going in, or is that just the normal process?
1: Absolutely. I totally could have done it differently. So the point of the book is to say, folks, I made all these mistakes already, so you don't have to. You can learn from my silliness. (laughs) And then you get the head start. So my goal in, in writing the book was to help people save time, save money, and save heartache by learning how to care for fruit trees and learning how to choose the right fruit trees right from the start. So my goal is, I would love it if people pick up the book before they even buy their first tree. But even if they pick up the book and their tree is just in the ground one year or two years or even 10 years, they can still learn something. But one of the most important things you can do, and I have a whole chapter on this in the book, is choosing the right tree for your particular climate, for your particular circumstances. And from there, I teach fruit tree pruning, which is one of the most beautiful parts of fruit tree care.
0: I want to go back to selecting the right fruit trees and let's talk about the different things that people need to know when they go to buy a fruit tree? Because there, there are multiple different things you have to know. What are they?
1: There are lots of different things that people have to know. So, for instance, one of the ones that seems obvious but isn't really is climate zone. So here in Toronto, you can go to a garden centre and you can pick up peach tree because people want to grow peach trees. The only problem is in Toronto it's not really, it's a little bit cool for Mm -hmm. a peach tree. Whereas in the Niagara region, they do really well with peach trees because they have a slightly different climate. Right. So climate is one of your considerations.
0: You know me and fruit trees. And I apologize to my listeners. I don't mean to interrupt you, but there's so many cool things to talk about. I don't want to miss it. So I was recently (laughs) at a local garden center here in Phoenix and the label on this peach tree simply said peach oh my gosh can you tell us what's wrong with that
1: oh my gosh that's quite shocking actually it is isn't it well in that situation first of all they're not even telling you the cultivar they're not telling you what type of peach it is so you don't even know if it's a type of peach that you want that's going to taste good for you but it also they should always state what the climate zone is that is appropriate for Mm -hmm. so on usually on your tag it will say this is for climate zone x if it's appropriate for your zone, you can buy it and you can take it. So you need to get some information about the tree in order to know if it's going to suit your property.
0: For us, we need low chill peaches here, low chill deciduous trees here. And basically that means anything under about 300 to 350 hours of chill, which is under 38, 39 degrees. If you guys planted a low-chill tree up there, what do you think would happen?
1: Oh, it would would die. It would just not, it wouldn't survive. It wouldn't, and and you have just hit the nail on the head. So this is just one of the many concerns when you're buying fruit trees. I got a story for you. Please. A similar story. So I don't usually buy from, and one thing I talk about in my book is don't buy from garden centers. Buy from specialist nurseries. Buy from experts. I know you sell fruit trees and you know what you're doing. You've done this for years. You're a specialist. But at the garden centers, they don't really know. So they get in the trees that people have heard of. The, the, for instance, honey crisp apples are very popular here. Oh, yes. Everybody loves them. They're very sweet. And people want to plant honey crisp apple trees, which are the hardest trees to grow without toxic fungicides, You know, pesticides, all that stuff. They're just a hard tree to grow. So, again... You go to the garden center, you don't know that this is the appropriate tree for you. It's good for a beginner. It's good for somebody who doesn't want to use toxic sprays. So one time I went to the garden center and it's a big one here in Toronto, very well known. Mm-hmm. And they're knowledgeable there, but I, I I, was desperate for a certain type of fruit tree. It was too late to order from a specialist nursery. So I go and I'm looking at their apricot trees and I see they're covered with a canker, which is disease, oh. a disease yeah. that spreads very quickly. They're all smooshed together and I see canker and I take it to one of the people in the nursery and I say this tree has canker and he says oh don't worry about it just put it back and take another one not realizing wow. that by me putting it back it's going to infect all the other trees.
0: Right. So
1: in other words this again brings us back to the point do your research before you buy your tree so mm-hmm. whether it's what cultivar you choose so you want to make sure you've got the right chill hours you've got to make sure you've got the right climate zone but how about this how about easier to grow trees that are disease resistant. Oh, yes. They exist, you know, they Mm -hmm. exist. And why make it harder for yourself? If, you know, as it is growing fruit trees is challenging, why battle extra battles? You know, why have extra challenges when you don't need to by getting a disease resistant tree?
0: Amen to that.
1: That's the end of that. And then there's a whole bunch of other considerations, you know, when is the harvest time? So let's say you go to your cottage every summer and you're there, you know, July and August, Mm -hmm. you don't really want to plant a tree where all the harvest is going to, you know, be in early August when you're not even there. Right you know, things like that. There's, there's a whole bunch of considerations. In my book, I boil it down to the simplest elements and make it, you know, really simple and really clear. But but that is, in my online course as well, one-fifth of the program is to teach you how to select your fruit tree. Wow. And it's fun and it's interesting, yep. but it empowers people to get it right and not make all those mistakes I made.
0: Amen to that, I'll tell you. So, when I cut you off the first time, you started talking about pruning. So let's go back to mm-hmm. there. I don't want to miss that cuz that's that's also a really important piece.
1: So another chapter of my book is about pruning. And pruning is for me one of the most beautiful Parts of fruit tree care. Pruning is where you develop a relationship with your tree. And mm. year by year by year, you're watching that tree grow and respond to this care that you're giving it. You're seeing how it reacts. You'll, you'll see where you did your cuts last year. You'll see how the tree reacts. And you're creating a shape for your tree that will last a lifetime. You start pruning from the very single day you plant your, your tree. Yes. The day you get it in the ground. Yep. So, And every year after that, you are pruning your tree. So back to Ben Nobleman Park, we popped the trees in the ground and we're like, oh, isn't this wonderful? And we're letting them grow. And we didn't prune them for probably two years (laughs) until we got our first workshop. And we, you know, because I knew you had, there was such a thing as fruit tree pruning. I just had no idea what it was. Right? People get mixed up. They think that fruit tree pruning is, is exactly like pruning a native tree, you know, where you cut off crisscrossed branches that are sort of scratching each other, or you, you cut off diseased branches, which of course you do with fruit trees. But really, it's different you're creating you're sculpting your tree you're creating a structure that will be sturdy enough and strong enough to support a heavy harvest yes another story is in 2013 here in Canada we had an ice storm and it took out a lot of trees all over the city it looked like devastation so many trees came down because of all this ice frozen onto the branches trees big branches came down In our little park, we had our 14 fruit trees. Not one branch was broken. Oh, wow. And these weren't even mature trees. Right. So that's because we prune our trees to have a strong structure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these trees are designed to to grow lots of fruit. So for for our little fruit trees, a bunch of ice on the branches was really no big deal.
0: Oh, yeah. I can completely see that. So one of the things that I noticed, I I went to Europe twice in the past 15 years. I was in Italy in 2004 and Croatia in 2014. And I noticed the very interesting way structurally that they were pruning trees. And for our listeners out there, I'll make sure that we get a picture of the perfectly pruned peach in my front yard, which incidentally we were pruning today, Mm -hmm. because it shows this method very very well and that is that the trees that i noticed over and over and over again in europe were big branches and so we had a, a really good structure underneath the tree and then a bunch of small branches but not a whole lot of in between branches mm, and very
1: interesting
0: yeah it it was and i i you know when i was in 04 when i was there i you know, they laughed at me. Are you taking another picture of fruit trees? And it's like, yeah, this stuff's interesting.
1: Are you kidding? I take pictures of fruit trees all the time. Right. <laughs> it's like obsessed with taking pictures. And I love how you're talking about that. So where I started with pruning, and what what I clearly explain in the book is central leader pruning. It's a certain structure. Yep. That will ensure you have a strong tree, and it it's a fabulous place to start because it teaches you the principles behind fruit tree pruning, how you space your branches, how you leave lots of room for air circulation. Mm. But from there, there are other options. Once you have that knowledge, you can start learning about the other ways. And I have started to become very interested in high density growing of fruit trees because lots of people, for instance, if they have an apple orchard, they want more trees in a smaller space. Mm-hmm. And there are different types of slender spindle pruning, different types of pruning where it's very different from what you talk about. Where instead of growing these permanent and strong branches, these scaffold branches, which are the ones that come out of the trunk of the tree, those strong horizontal branches that last forever, when you do a high density pruning, you're doing the opposite. As soon as the branch is productive, it's for a couple of years, and it's about half of the the width of the main trunk, Uh you cut it off, you remove it, leave a little stub, and then let another branch grow out Uh... in that very place. And so I think that the logic behind that is they're not like me. They don't necessarily want a relationship with their tree. I love my trees. Yes. But they want production. They want production fast. And if that branch is then going to go, A, to go into decline and not quite produce as much fruit after that, or if the branch will make the tree imbalanced because these are smaller dwarf kind of trees, Uh and if it's out of balance, it might fall over... So it's a different approach. So as I'm developing my sort of intermediate or advanced level course for my website, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be talking about high-density pruning, how it's different, and why it's different, and how to do
0: it. Cool. So... You've mentioned your training a couple of times. Give us a review quickly of your first level of training. Let's call it that.
1: Yeah, I wish I called it level one, actually, or something like that. I call it beginner fruit tree care. And to be honest, it's for beginners, but it's also for probably intermediate level growers. Mm Mm-hmm. I have master gardeners who take this course. I have arborists who take this course because arborists aren't trained in fruit tree care.
2: Right. And
1: so, you know, lots of people of lots of different levels enjoy it. So that that level one course or the beginner course covers five things. One is how to choose your fruit tree. Two is planting and young tree care. Mm -hmm. So... Planting a bare root tree, which you do all the time and and lots of people do, but lots of people don't even know about how young tree care is different from caring for older trees. So part three is pruning your fruit tree. And then part four is preventing pests and disease. And part five is soil and fertility management. I may have the order wrong. But anyways, there's those those five things are covered. Yeah.
0: Interestingly, I had something happen here at the urban farm recently. I picked a couple of oranges for A friend that stopped by there, the Karakara navel orange. And I gave them to her and she took them home. And I got a text from her a couple hours later and she said, Oh my gosh, Greg, what are these? And I said, "They're, (laughs) They're Karakara navels. And she said, I've eaten Karakara navels before and they don't taste like that. Wow. Speaking to how good the oranges taste. And really, that has a lot to do with soil fertility does it not?
1: Yeah it does and you know what else? What I find also is often it has to do with pruning and I'm not talking about what you get in the supermarket. Those guys kind of know what to do but you're right they kind of bankrupt the soil whereas you are nurturing your soil you're always adding organic material and taking care of it. So in your situation it was probably the soil but what I find is people come to me and they say oh my gosh I have this old apple tree it's such a shame the apples are terrible it must be just a bad." apple tree. And I say, wow, you know, hang in there because actually maybe it's a great apple tree, but with pruning, you will give your tree more energy to put into the fruit rather than into growing lots more branches. So the next year after pruning a certain amount of the tree, Mm -hmm. you know, cleaning it out a bit, you can't do anything too harsh with an older tree. You have to do it bit by bit, but then they'll find that the fruit will get sweeter and more delicious because that tree has experienced hands-on care. You're feeding it. You're pruning it. You're taking care of it. But yes, I'm sure in your situation that people yeah. who mass, you know, grow these oranges in these huge orchards would just not have the the time, the care, the energy, and even the money to really put into really find good quality yeah, soil.
0: Great and great tasting fruit. Yes. Cool. And I also hear that you have a fruit tree care app out. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so that's interesting. That's been an experiment that I launched recently. So with my podcast, it goes out once a month. It's not that frequent, but I like to have it packed with information. So each podcast will be on a different topic. Let's say we talk about growing pawpaw trees or we might talk about a certain type of pest like brown marmorated stink bugs or something like that. So you listen to the podcast and you learn. I always learn when I listen to podcasts. But how much do I retain? So for a lot of my shows, I've developed quizzes. This is all free for people who want to do them. Right. So you go to this quiz app. It's called the Tree Quiz app, and you can get it on orchardpeople.com app, A-P-P. And you take these so you get a link to the show to listen to the show, and then you have a five-question quiz. And you, the quiz will see how much you remembered from the show. If you get the answer wrong, you will be reminded of the right answer. Uh-huh. And so as you take the quiz, you are continuing to learn if there was something oh, nice. that you forgot. Yeah. And it's really good for things like we had an episode on beech plums. And so, for instance, one of the questions was, if you have planted a beech plum from seed and you've got this lovely beech plum and it's got a really fantastic, you know, some yellow fruit on it, yellow Mm -hmm. beech plums, which are more rare. If you take the seed of the yellow beech plum and plant it, will it become a plant with only yellow beech plums, and what's the answer? And he speaks about it in the show, and do you remember the information? You know, whatever. Either way, you learn as you go. For some people, that's even more useful, because master gardeners have to do continuing education. Arborists have to do continuing education. So while all the quizzes are free, if you want to get a little certificate to say I got 4 out of 5, you know, I got 80% on this quiz, Mm -hmm. you can claim continuing education credits. Oh, That's nice. an option that people can pay for if they want, right. but otherwise the quizzes are free. You get your answers for free and you continue to learn. So far, I just put it out there. We'll see if people are interested in that kind of thing.
0: Wow. Congratulations. What a cool idea. I think so. What a cool idea. So what's your next project?
1: First of all, this is teaching season at Niagara College, so I'm super busy with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once I work my way through the season, I do want to put together my intermediate level course. It's going to have more advanced pruning. So I'll be talking about high density pruning systems. I'll be talking about more details in designing orchards. So my first course is more on a homeowner level or, you know, if you're a homeowner and you want to care for your trees or if you've got a community orchard, but some people are designing orchards that are bigger and they want more information. I want a a cider orchard, you know, I want for my, hobby farm are bigger things so there'll be more information on rootstock choices and there's going to be a really nice section on integrated pest management which is just a system that different farmers use to protect their crops it's a decision making system so again like everything i do i like to make it easy and accessible it's not going to be scary even though it's got this scary name integrated pest management it's mm-hmm. just how do i protect my trees in a really organized way
0: yeah well, good on you. I, I'm a lifelong learner and, you know, 25-year-plus teacher of fruit trees. So absolutely love, love, love what you're doing. So thank you for all oh, of that. Oh, thank you
1: so much. And don't you find that the more you teach, the more you learn? Like, I go to my class and sometimes, you know, the student will ask a question that I haven't thought of. I'm like, <laughs> Wow i got to go research that. Uh-huh. That's amazing. That's oh, a great yeah. question.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yep. And I see on the notes that Janice sent over to me, you and I have something else in common that I don't think we talked about last time called Lyme disease.
1: Yeah. So that is the, the sad part of my story. So when we last spoke, I had it and I didn't know it. Mm. I knew I had some. So Lyme disease, just to backtrack, is often starts when somebody gets a little tiny bite from a little tiny tick. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can see the bite has a circle around it, like a red circle, like a perfect bullseye. Yep. And sometimes it has a rash around it, and sometimes you don't even see the bite at all. So, the year that these crazy symptoms started to affect my body was the last year I was a full time gardener for the city of Toronto. And I'd get all this horrible body pain that never went away, and it right. wasn't for a reason. You know, if your legs hurt, usually it's because you've been digging, you've been working, you've been mm-hmm. doing this. No, nothing. So, all these nasty symptoms started and skin symptoms, digestive symptoms, and I'd go from doctor to doctor, and people are just like, well, you know, you got rosacea or you got arthritis, you got this. And it's like, wait, this is ridiculous. I'm too young for this. I shouldn't have this stuff. Right. And at least I feel young anyways. But the problems just continues. And then the doctors just weren't very helpful. And I was starting to feel, well, maybe something's wrong with me. I don't know. Like anyways, it took until the symptoms got really bad. I have in the past seven months or so, I've been in really challenging conditions. I've been dizzy and mm. I've got double vision and also sorts of stuff yeah. I mean thank goodness I'm on the upturn now and I'm back at work and all everything's good but when the dizziness came in and the double vision and, yep. and a whole bunch of other nasty symptoms, finally I just kept fighting until I figured out what the answer is and yeah. I got a Lyme test taken. my Canadian test was negative. Oh, but my U.S. Lyme test was positive. Yeah. I was just going to say our Canadian test is notoriously unreliable. Yeah. Even Health Canada says, don't trust this test. Don't yep. diagnose only on this test.
0: There's only a couple of companies out there that actually diagnose Lyme correctly. Yeah. We did have Sarah Sanchez on the podcast last August. She's with Lime Voice, the podcast, and that was episode two sixty-nine where we really dug in deep to, you know, her experience of Lyme and how the medical community doesn't really know what to do with it. Wow. Yeah. One of the things that people don't know is that Lyme, given that it is a bacteria, it can be sexually transmitted. That's how part of how I have it, because my sweetheart Heidi was bit by a tick in Phoenix, Arizona in two thousand and fourteen.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a tragedy. I just did an episode on my podcast about it and interviewed mm-hmm. Rosanna Magnata, who has a big winery here in Ontario and her husband died of wine. Ooh. You know? Yeah. And it just goes to show where whoever you are you can get hit and they've got money, they've got this incredible business and they couldn't save him. Yeah. So this is she's really devoting her herself now to Lyme research and funding it. And she's quite an incredible woman.
2: Yeah. Well, good. But
1: it's a serious business. And that's why I am, and I'm so glad you did that episode. I really want people to know about it Mm -hmm. so they can keep an eye on themselves. And if they get a bite to know what to do, Yeah. and if they have weird symptoms, keep fighting. You know, so often when people have any weird symptoms, I just say, get a Lyme test. People who have pets, Greg, are very vulnerable. I have, I know somebody who is a vet and he mm-hmm. says every year there are more and more pets coming in with ticks. Yep. And he's picking them off and he sees the pets are sick. And at the same time, the pet's owner comes and says, you know, I'm really not feeling well. I've been feeling, I don't know what's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And he says, go to the doctor and tell them you need a Lyme test. Yeah, and he says I have diagnosed more Lyme patients, human <laughs> ones, than any doctors.
0: Interesting. I was at my uh, naturopath, who I work with on this, and she told me that her dog has Lyme, and so it's yeah, that's not at all surprising. Wow.
1: No, exactly, and so she's got to keep an eye on herself. Well, I mean, you know, as every pet owner, when they go for a walk, especially it's out in nature, you Mm got to check and see what the dog has or what your cat has if it runs around. Yeah. So we all have to protect ourselves. I'm happy there was a question during the live radio show. My podcast starts as a live radio show, and then it turns into a podcast. And during the live show, we had an email saying from somebody saying, well, does this mean that I should... Not go out anymore? Should I be scared to be going out into nature? Mm -hmm. And I can totally understand why he said that, but both me and Rosanna said, no, absolutely not. This is not about fear. This is about anger. This is about protecting ourselves ferociously Mm -hmm. and protecting our right to be in nature and to enjoy nature, but safely. And it's our right and responsibility to, you know, kick up a fuss and go to the doctors and say, hey, guys, you got to do more research. Hopefully, people will also support, you know, Rosanna's G. Magnata Foundation for Lyme research. She says, hey, how can we cure this disease if they don't even know, like, what ha- what happens? They know some stuff, but they don't know lots of stuff. So there really isn't one way of treating it. Right. You and I and others, we're improvising. We're doing the best we can.
0: Yeah. I still have Lyme, and what I do is I work on my immune system. I really spend a lot of time and energy on putting good food in, putting probiotics in, you know, so on and so on, and making myself healthy. That's been my solution.
1: I think that's a great solution. There's another thing that that I do that's very controversial, but when at the time that I started it, I really didn't have any choice. The doctors were telling me I don't have Lyme, there was no (laughs) treatment, nobody was helping me. Right. So I took something called MMS which is Miracle, something... If you Google what is MMS or what are MMS drops, you can find out about it. It's controversial. It's not a legal sort of drug at all. It's not supposed to be taken internally. Well you know what, I take it and it's been helping me. But if anybody's considering it, research it, ask your doctor, you know, do whatever you need to do to keep yourself safe because people have also had renal failure from overdoing it. Yeah. So, but I'm doing what you're doing as well, using alternative options. And finally, I did get, an appointment with a Lyme doctor. We'll see what happens with that. So right. there are options, but I just would hope that people, like it's like with fruit trees, Greg, you know, if you do your research before you have any problems with your fruit tree or you know, while they're yep. still healthy or before you've implanted your fruit tree, right. you'll have better success than if you plant the tree and kind of don't really know what you're doing and then oops, there's some problems. Same thing with our health. If we know about Lyme, we know about tick bites, you may get them, but there are safe ways to remove the ticks
2: Mm -hmm. so that they
1: don't you know inject the bacteria inside you or if you do get the bacteria there's antibiotics you can take right away that'll just get rid of it and you'll be okay yeah so the more we know the better
0: there you go perfect one shout out for a testing company it's called igenex i-g-e-n-e-x and they they do Lyme testing and it's quite reliable. So they're. I think they're out of California or something like that. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Susan. We really appreciate your insights.
1: Well, I'd love to be here. It's so fun to chat with you.
0: So how can our listeners get a hold of you?
1: They can find me at orchardpeople.com. They can reach me by email. There's a contact us page. They can go to the podcast. They can listen to podcasts. They can read the blog. And there's a page with my courses. So if they're interested in a course, they can take, you know, beginner fruit tree care course. Mm -hmm. And one day soon, there will be the next level, the level two, which would be, I would say, more an intermediate. To advance, yeah. So I would love to hear from them and just such a lovely thing to, to be on your show. I so appreciate hmm. chatting with you about all this stuff.
0: Well, and there's so much to talk about. So thank you once again <laughs> for joining us. So if you'd like to hear more from Susan, you can find her in our guest index on urbanfarm.org at episode 166. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash orchard people. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, podcasts, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. The Urban Farm Podcast is sponsored by HealthIQ.com. A decade and a half ago, I took on a very interesting personal goal to run the Arizona Rock and Roll Half Marathon from the first running in 2004 until I was the only one that had run them all. They call us Legacy Runners. Since then, my times have slowed down a bit, but my commitment is stronger than ever. In fact, I just ran my 15th year in a row, and interestingly, there are less than 100 of us Legacy Runners left. Wouldn't it be cool if a life insurance agency rewarded me for that health-minded achievement? Well, I found one that will. Health IQ uses an exclusive qualifying process that helps health conscious people like runners, cyclists, yogis, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. And if you have records like race results or those cool reports we get from the apps logging our efforts, Health IQ takes this into consideration to get you even more savings. Visit healthiq.com forward slash urban farm to support our show and see if you qualify. Just like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's
0: episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at
1: urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org.